We're your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We share our own original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. Please join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with the Human Capital Leadership Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. In today's podcast episode, I talk with Oshri Cohen about combining recruiters' acumen with software engineers' expertise. Oshri Cohen, welcome to the conversation today. Thank you. I feel very welcome. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Montreal. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about the recruitment tech space and combining recruiters acumen with software engineers expertise. I think this is just super interesting, fascinating topic. I'm really thrilled to have a chance to sit down with you and pick your brain a bit around this topic. As we get started, I wanted to share Oshri's bio with everybody. Oshri Cohen is an expert technologist in more languages, frameworks, architectures, and technologies than he cares to count. He is an ex-executive at multiple startups and ex-founder of his own custom development shop. He is disrupting the popular thought that startups need a full-time CTO and could save on average 400K per year in direct technical leadership costs through the use of fractional CTO, which is his primary business. I'm going to pause there, Oshri. Uh, There's a lot more I could share with your bio, but I'm going to pause and give you a chance now to share with the audience anything about your background or personal content you'd like to highlight personal context is um i started my fractional cto business because i was frustrated with where the industry was nobody knew what a cto actually does most people still don't know what an cto is supposed <laughs> to actually do and mm-hmm. as such they hire these individuals who leave after two years maybe after three years some of them do a fantastic job Some of them do a really, really bad job. And then the company realizes that they need their big boy CTO to come in because they've matured to a certain point. The kind of leadership you have now is not the kind of leadership you need later. And a fractional model helps with that. You have me for a fraction, then you don't need me for six months. You bring me back in. Oh, I'm not the right person for you. Let's go to somebody else. And then eventually you hire your full-timer. I, yeah, I it makes... predict uh, around four years, the, the fourth generation of the business. So mm-hmm. in startup land, that's after four years. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense because when you're in startup phase, you know, with any luck, if things are going well, you're scaling and, you know, at the startup phase, it's just different than when you start to grow and you start to add employees and you start to add business and you have more complexity mm-hmm. to your organization. It makes perfect sense. Uh, so having having uh, this kind of a setup in place with the fractional CTO uh, approach, I think, could be very very helpful. Now you you frame yourself up as a technologist. Um, you you have a lot of experience in the space, and I'm really curious to pick your brain and delve in deep around this idea of combining recruiters' acumen with software engineers' expertise. So I mean, ideally, right? We're in a 
technically technologically driven world. Uh, we need everyone to be conversant with technologies, even if they're not a technologist. Um, ideally, we would have you know recruiters that are really great at leveraging existing technologies to help them do their jobs better. Um, ideally, we would have software engineers that understand the the needs of recruiters and of people searching for jobs and going through that process. Uh, but the twain don't always meet, right? And, and sometimes we're, we're kind of thinking in different ways. We're trying to do different things, cross purposes. And uh, why is it important to bring these together? And how can you start the process of bringing these um, different disparate elements of, of expertise and often skill uh, together in a way that can really serve the organization and serve the, the people in the organization? So I'm going to preface that uh, the, the answer with with the following statement is that developers hate working with recruiters. And I cannot <laughs> emphasize how much disdain we have for the recruiting process. It is absolutely nuts. The reason <laughs> why is because technical recruiting requires technical knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not business knowledge. I can, you know, a, your standard recruiter could find you a marketing person. Oh, take a look at the experience. They did marketing here. They did marketing there. Very simple. Okay. They worked in this kind of this industry. They're compatible with this industry. I understand because marketing has existed for thousands of years. Construction, sales for hundreds of thousands of years, whatever it may be. Technology? Five years ago, the technology landscape was completely different than it is now. And in five years, it's going to be completely different again. You're going to tell me that a non-technologist can keep up with that? That is the big problem. And so we have this circular dependency on that's perpetuating the problem with technical recruiting. Hiring managers don't have the, the, the time to teach everything to the technical recruiter about the candidate that they need. And so they dump everything on them. I need the candidate to be able to write on a keyboard. Oh, really? Okay. Five years of mouse, mouse experience. I'm being facetious, but (laughs) some of the requirements are literally can eat soup without drowning. That's, that's some (laughs) of these requirements. And you ask yourself, I'm like, okay, so I'm seeing this plethora of, of requirements, we're talking about 20 requirements. I'm like, who's going to be for, be able to fulfill all of this? And it turns out that the hiring managers do this with the technic with the recruiters or technical recruiters, right? They do it with the technical recruiters so that they don't miss the right candidates. And so the technical recruiters spit that back out on the job description, contact all sorts of people, and start asking them ridiculous questions, right? It's like a, a recruiter coming to you, John, and saying, Hey John. Can you eat soup without drowning? Yeah. <laughs> How many years of soup experience do you have? Seven. Wow. Really, you only need maybe one spoonful to say you don't, um, you know, you can't drown with while eating soup. I think now that example is dated now, but still. And so that circle keeps happening continuously over and over and over and over. And the problem is that because the recruiters don't know who they're getting and they only understand keywords, they don't understand the underlying technology and you can't understand everything, but you do have to have some inclination, right? Mm -hmm. As to what it is. Um, 
if you can do mobile development in one air, with one technology, you can do it with, uh, with another technology. It's not that complicated. It's fairly the same. You have to learn a few more new words and a few more new ways of doing it, but you can do the job, not a problem. Same thing with web development, same thing with desktop development and so on and so forth. You can figure it out. At some point along the way, hiring managers and industry as a whole forgot that developers can learn new things. And, and so they, they hire people like they're ordering a sandwich. I need a little mm-hmm. bit of peppers, but not too much. Some olives, a couple of little slices of cheese, ham, and so on and so forth. And that's not how humans work. That's just what yeah. humans don't come in in a, in a package. And so technical recruiters actually need to stay up to date with technologies, have to understand the use cases of certain technologies and why and where and how and what the alternatives are for them to become really, really good at their jobs. And I'll add that, well, I, in the technology space, I imagine this this issue, this gap, this problem is exacerbated uh, tremendously because of the, the the rate and pace of change in technology. Um, but we see similar things you know, from a hiring perspective, staffing, uh, recruiting, talent management perspective in the HR space for a wide range of types of jobs and a wide range of types of industries, because across the board, everything's changing, right? So what you did two years ago probably won't work for the future. Uh, and and the, the point is, your, your point is super well taken, that we need um, people that are able to understand what's actually needed to perform the job today and in the future, which doesn't necessarily mean what happened in the past. And we often get caught up on things that don't really matter, like arbitrary years of experience uh, that don't matter. Or the, oh, the big, years of experience, don't get me into this one, please. The, the big long list of the big long checklist of skills, competencies, and capabilities needed. Like you mentioned, you got this big menu of like 20 things, check every single box. I mean, who's going to check all those boxes, right? So you're shooting yourself in the foot. Um, you, you get what we know just is that disproportionately men will apply for positions even if they only check 50% of the boxes, while women will only apply for positions if they check 90 plus percent of the boxes. So we end up with gender disparities. Like there's just all these problems created by just a really dumb way that we go about posting jobs, recruiting for jobs, hiring for jobs, that we just need to learn how to be much more agile. Um, and you're, you're highlighting within the, the technology space, it's even more of a challenge <laughs> uh, and it's, it's, it's exacerbated. And, and so you end up having these huge gaps between what's needed and what recruiters are out there finding. Uh, and you, you end up focusing on the wrong things. You end up looking in the wrong places, right? And it, that's not serving anybody well. You, you mentioned something interesting, years of experience as a metric. In other industries, years of experience makes sense. As a CEO. Well, I would argue in most places, it doesn't make much sense. But... <laughs> oh, I'll... John, you're my new best friend. Okay. So, but, but years of experience in software development is the most ridiculous concept I have ever seen. And we still use it. When yeah. I put up job ads, I don't. I say I need an intermediate. I need a senior. And this is what a senior is supposed to do. Whether you think like a senior after three years of experience, and I've met interns that are better than some seniors because right. they're borderline geniuses and they figured it out yeah. while, while others don't. So years of experience is interesting because I do, I do technical recruiting for some of my clients as part of, you know, 
if I really like the client. So if, if I take on the client, they can consider themselves lucky. Not because I'm the best, but because I take only very, very significant specific clients with specific problems. And, and I see a lot of resumes. And I see seven years, 10 years, tw 25 years doing what? What exactly did you do? You could do 25 years working on a technology that's 20 years old. Great. Right. <laughs> you have 25 years. But if I put you in a new company, you wouldn't know what's going on in any way, shape, or form. Just at all. Nothing. And I'll just add, even if that 25 years was completely relevant and cutting cutting edge technologies, all of that, right. even if that was the case, is it 25 years of good experience or is it 25 years of you being a crappy employee? <laughs> because it, it doesn't, exactly. it doesn't mean anything. It just doesn't mean anything. So, I mean, I could have someone who's hungry, who's motivated, who's really bright and able to learn quickly, who has a year, who has so much capability. And then I have someone else who's, you know, been around the block and has been there for 10 years and is kind of been crummy all the way along. Am I going to hire the 10 year person just because they have 10 years? That's stupid. Uh, and, and that's how the system often works. That's the bias that we often mm -hmm. have in place. Now, is there wisdom that can be gained with years? Yes. And so on and so forth. But, but, but generally speaking, when we're talking about very specific skill sets, does, does uh, an arbitrary years of experience really matter? And there's, you know, I'm an academic and a practitioner in the academic space. The research behind this shows, no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it really just doesn't matter. And yet it's, it's one of the key metrics, one of the most important things that people prioritize. Yeah. So, so I would, I would flip that years of experience in an industry makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Years of industry of experience developing in a manufacturing industry. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, you really understand that industry very well, but you're going to be typecast into that industry for the rest yeah. of your career. That's it. That's all you're done for. And so because software development is such a wide range, because it impacts every aspect of our lives, you could be manufacturing, you could be a software developer. I've met a 25-year veteran in software development all the guy does is write code that calculates the air pressure or something on, on airplane wings. Hmm. That's it. All right, he lost his job. He was, uh, he was getting coached by me at some point, right? Because he's like, I have no idea how software is actually built. I've never built any software. Now, you mentioned something else that's really interesting is the scrappy people, the ones who actually tried. And, and in our industry, we have this, almost an unwritten rule. We kind of favor those that didn't go through university, mm -hmm. right? Is that, are you self-taught? You're self-taught? You figure this out by yourself? Excellent. Also, you didn't waste four years learning almost nothing because, <laughs> because you've got two branches in, in software development. You've got software engineering requires the science, AI development, really like you need physics, you need math, you need, the, you need deep science. Go to university for that. Get your master's. Excellent. You'll be fine. But you'll work in a basement at the Pentagon. Right? <laughs> Great. But you'll do well, but you'll never see the light of day. Then you've got software development, which is 99% of the industry. Web applications, mobile, Windows, desktop, um, the, 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 the pipelines that make the world go round. Right? Well, that's, that's software development. They don't teach you that in, in university. I can guarantee you that. I have so many coaching clients of students came out of university and, and they don't know. They just don't know anything. They don't even know how to spin up a database. They don't know how to, mm. to do anything. 
And it's kind of sad. It's, it's very sad. I had one client who said, should I go for a master's? I'm like, well, do you like doing this? No, so don't. You don't need to spend another $200,000 on a master's or 300K on a master's to do what? Nothing. So that's, uh, that's my two cents about that. that yeah, that no, is- no. Great, great points. And, and also a recognition, you, you highlight the education piece. Um, so years of experience is often one that gets highlighted disproportionately. Years of experience, uh, maybe coupled with degrees is something you see all the time. And there's lots of jobs where, you know, it says, you know, bachelor's degree plus five years experience or, oh, God. or okay. a mix of, you know, yeah. master's degree and three years of experience or whatever, right? Whatever that mix is, I mean, I, I question whoever is coming up with that mix and at, you know, I would, I would ask them like, really, what, what do you expect to see that's really different between, you know, this candidate, this candidate, and this candidate, when really the only difference is, you know, a, a degree in hand and perhaps a, a few years of experience. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot. And that's why in the hiring space and the recruiting space, you know, the gold standard is not, don't just look at their resume. Don't just like interview and see who interviews well. The gold standard is look at what they've done recently. Like what performance looks like for them and what you need in your job, who can do the stuff that needs to be done. And so whether that's through job samples or portfolios or having them submit their code or having, you know, like there's a bunch of different ways to do it depending on the industry and depending on the Mm. type of job. But most organizations don't do that because it takes maybe a little bit more time, a little bit more energy or resources. Um, and people are overconfident in their ability to like magically discern by interviewing somebody, whether or not they're going to be good for their organization. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the worst way to find people properly. And I'm saying this as a recruiter, right? Yeah, as a person yeah. who recruits. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take what you said. I'm going to add two points to it. So a university degree in its own right as a software engineer, you're coming out in, in, in Canada or in Quebec, you get a little ring as the engineer ring and whatnot, right? In some places you don't. Um, as a software engineer, that's one thing. Not very useful in the broader software development world because you're not going to use any of the knowledge that you've worked on, well, basically ever. To, in, in, that's the reality. It's four years wasted. You could have done four years of self-study and you will be light years ahead of anybody else. Now, if you did want to go and have complementary education, mm-hmm. so maybe you're self-taught software developer and now you're going to get a marketing degree or an entrepreneurial degree or a business degree, that is unbelievably worth, uh, worthwhile. I was going to say worthless. It's not. It's why it's the, <laughs> other, the, the, the polar opposite of worthless. So because that tells me, okay, this guy or gal thinks in a develop, uh, is a developer, but they think in business terms, that person has, has value. Because nowadays, it's not enough to just have a degree and just have experience. Now you need to be multifactorial. You need yeah. to have multiple um sets of knowledge, marketing, this, that. Otherwise, you're not even going to get hired. There's too many people out there. There are way too many people out there. So so there's that. I forgot what my second point was, but um, there's that. Now, you, you mentioned something really interesting, which is women in tech. It is really, really hard to find women in tech, right? 
And I've, I've personally hired something like 300 people in 20 years. I have interviewed 15 women because that's the only resumes I got. And anytime I get one, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to interview you outright. I don't care. I'm interviewing you. Maybe there's something there. And that, and that was really, really interesting because the, the, the supply is still not there. Yeah. The supply is still, is just not there. Maybe because it's seen as a boys club, maybe because, well, in many cases, a lot of times in a bad organization, it is a boys club and the way they talk, I can guarantee you that much. It is, it is not exactly very welcoming. And maybe there's that perception, but you mentioned it where women will not apply unless they check off 90%. So you know what? I'm going to start. I'm going to just based on that, I'm going to make a change to, to my job description. So I'm going to say apply, even if you don't match 90% of this, please apply. Because even then, even though my requirements don't, don't, don't spend more than five items and I get now, plenty of women that are applying for my job descriptions, I think I've, I've seen that change. I'm going to add that statement. Hmm. I want more. I'm not hitting a quota. I just want more. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. You just want a good pool, right? Just a good, just a good pool, right? Good pool that's people it. to consider. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's the thing is, you know, a lot of times I'll sit down um, with a hiring manager and I'll look at their, you know, their recruitment, uh, their, their job posting, and I'll just walk through the points with them. And I'll ask, okay, well, why this one? What is this getting you? What is this accomplishing for you? Most of the time, they don't have a good answer. I mean, most of the time, it's just, that's what we've always done. Or that's, it's, you know. It's uh, CYA, cover your ass, CYA. Exactly, exactly. Or, and, and, you know, maybe they've only made, over the last decade, they've made minor tweaks to this thing over time. Uh, but it's still predominantly the same document they used 10 years ago. And so, of course, it's going to grow increasingly irrelevant. And so we just, we, we have all this baggage of like past p- practices and approaches and past language. Like if, if we're looking for the, the person who's going to be great today and tomorrow, we need to revisit what we're actually looking for, the justifications for why we feel those things are important and the language we're using to communicate those things. And if we're doing that proactively, it's not always, it's not ever going to be perfect, right? And it's always going to be a work in progress. But if we're doing that proactively, we're not going to fall into the same trap that I don't know, I'm going to throw, throw out a random made up statistic, but I would say, you know, 80, 90% of organizations and the jobs that get posted, they're, they're regurgitating old positions and old postings and old descriptions that aren't, you know, there might be some overlap with what they currently need, but oftentimes it's not super tightly connected. It's copy pasted. It's copy or they ask chat GPT, which is even worse because it's, it's soulless content. So, yeah. so I remember what I wanted to say. So you mentioned um, better ways of, of finding candidate and evaluating them, such as take-home exams, uh, code samples, and whatnot. And I would debate that because mm-hmm. coding outside of a context doesn't really help. It doesn't help, right? Um, someone can go online and find the solution and type it up and it would be perfect, mm-hmm. but they don't actually know the knowledge. They don't have sure. to actually have the knowledge. I found that the best approach so far that leads to the highest quality candidates is a conversation around a technical solution. That's mm-hmm. it. They are utterly unprepared for it because I don't tell them <laughs> what it is. Here's this fictional scenario. You need to build, design this web application. Now talk to me. 
Because what I tell my candidates is, I am hiring you your mind. I want to know what's in your, I don't care about your resume. It's irrelevant. I know 50% is a lie because it's a marketing <laughs> document. I know it. You know it. That's, uh, that's, uh, let's stop messing around. We, are, we understand each other. But I, I saw something in your resume that was interesting enough for me to contact you. And so it's a technical conversation, 30, 45 minutes, throw some, uh, some wrenches into their, into their, uh, into their uh, design, challenge their design, see if they can with, withstand pressure. Right? Oh, you mentioned something. Boom. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to target that like it's nobody's business and see how far your depth of knowledge is. That's it. And I use the same question every single time. For, for the last five years, maybe two, 300 candidates have gone through this. Always the same question. I'm surprised people haven't started using this question, but to try and evaluate what their depth of knowledge is. And I say, there is no right answer, but there are plenty of wrong answers because you can achieve the same thing 20 different ways. That's the reality, right? Yeah. For sure. So and I, I, I like that. I like the, the work, having them work through the process. And you're absolutely right. In the day and age of being able to, you know, Google code or whatever, like you have to be thoughtful about how you're going to have people do work samples or how you're going to have them do exams or whatever. I use ChatGPT all day long. I have it on sure. a second screen. I bought a second screen just for ChatGPT. Sure. Right. So, so yeah, be thoughtful about what you're doing and how you can, um, what, what assurance you have that this is coming from the person that is applying for the position, right? So all of that is super important to keep in mind. Uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, we're looking for people who can be out of the box thinkers, who can take challenging complex problems and respond to them in real time, utilizing the technologies and the resources that are available to them. And coming back to where we started, you know, we, we often have a different mindset, you know, recruiters mm -hmm. versus software engineers or coders or whatever, and finding a way, whether it's this particular context we're talking about or, or whatever field, whatever industry, whatever type of job, you need to find a way to connect the recruiters to the experts who actually do the job day in and day out to make sure that there's actual alignment uh, between what they're looking for. And that alignment often isn't there. And so that is what ends up causing so many of the problems, so many of the bad hires, uh, why we don't find the, the right people and we don't have a good pool of people because you're just, you're targeting the wrong things. Um, and, you know, I think about the movie Moneyball um, the, the, based on the book, based yes. on the Oakland A's and every organization is different. Every industry is different. Every type of job is different. The metrics are going to be different, but the principle is the same. Like you, you need to make sure you're measuring the right thing. You need to make sure that you're paying attention to the right thing. And if you're not, you're going to end up chasing metrics or data or, or different skills or whatever that don't actually matter. Um, and yeah, we fall into that trap over and over and over again. And let's just learn to disrupt that a bit. So, so I agree, but it's, but I'll, I'll, I'll add an angle to this, which is a lot, a lot, if not most companies that are hiring are too full of themselves. Sure. They think they're the greatest thing that to come to man. It's ridiculous. You can't be asking for a low salary, offering a low salary, and asking for the person who has an entrepreneurial mindset. Why the heck would they work for you? Why? There's no reason. 
they can go and work for someone else. Netflix offering $900,000 a year. Okay, those are that's a ridiculous salary and it's a ridiculous company. But you have to hire for the kind of work that will entice these individuals. Oh, I want the architect and the principal engineer and the this and the that. What are they building? Well, they're building simple websites. Okay, let's chill a little bit, buddy. Let's relax a little bit. What you're looking for maybe is a person who has WordPress development experience, low-level stuff. But don't expect this person to be a thinker who comes up with solutions. Give them the solution, they'll code it. And that's okay. Those people are not bad people. They're, they're needed in the industry. An army is not made up solely of special forces. You've got the army and you've got the people that are going to dig the trenches. You need mm-hmm. everybody. And every organization needs that distribution of people. You can't just have high-level thinkers and problem solvers all over the place. They're going to start clashing. Their personalities will clash. You need the workers. Yeah, and you know what? They're going to leave at 5 o'clock. They're going to 9 to 5, and they're not going to give you a minute more. But they will consistently produce code that is decent and good enough for your company that meets your standards. And even then, right? I've got I've got clients that I say I'm like okay show me show me the code show me like show me the work that you that they have to work on. Once I see it, I say okay, I know the kind of candidate you need. You need a new immigrant who just came to the country with minimal English and some technical skills. Really? Yeah. You don't need the guy who works for Google. That's who you need because you've got that level of work, and that person you can offer him a lower salary because hey, new immigrant. They're okay with it, right? Or a new student, whatever it is, or a new graduate. In any event, someone at a very low level, you need to coach them a little bit, and that's as far as it goes, right? People are so full of themselves. They think they're Google, and and they, and they test candidates exactly like Google, yeah. trying to trip them up. You know, Don't try to trip up candidates. Try to find a place for them in your company, Right? Try to question them in such a way, okay, I'm going to see where you fit at the company. So I'm going to ask you different questions for different places that you could fit rather than say, can you give me algorithms and write it on the whiteboard, right? The Google style, sort an array on a whiteboard, write code on a whiteboard with no tooling whatsoever, no keyboard while people are staring at you. Um, No, because I've been developing for 20 years, 25 years, and... I still can't do that. I will still go to Google and say, how do I do this again? Something that I did 20 minutes ago, I forget. I've got too much on my mind. There's too many things going on. I'm solving a problem. I need the help. Give give me access to a computer. I'll write you your algorithm if you want. But not with people staring down on me. That's not going to work. Put them in another room. It's, It's this misalignment. And hopefully it's changing at some point, right? Because especially if you want women to come in and and apply for your jobs, that's not how you're going to get women to apply, right? This is yeah. a very aggressive way of, of of interview. It's a very aggressive way of of evaluating candidates. Not for everyone. Could tell you that yeah. much. Yeah, for sure. Well, Oshri, this has just been a great conversation. We've only scratched the surface. There's a whole lot more we could say, but I know at the time and I need to let you go here in just a minute. Before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. 
Uh, you want to reach out? Ashricohen.me.me. That's my personal site. That's my practice. I don't have employees. You're hiring. I'm the guy who's doing the work. Um, on LinkedIn. But if you follow me, I uh, I pity your inbox because uh, or your notifications because I post a lot. Useful <laughs> stuff. Sometimes funny stuff. Usually around Fridays, it's the funny stuff to kind of lighten up the, the, the weekend. And the final word on recruiting is you're not buying a salad. You're not buying a sandwich. You're trying to find a human. Try to evaluate how they think, not what they do. Because if they can solve problems and they can learn, sky's the limit. Get them. Get them while they're cheap. They'll stay at your company for a while, and that's it. And the reality is that developers will change jobs every two years because they get bored. If you have a metric where your your people are going to stay after for ten years, you better give them some stock options with really high growth growth trajectory to make it worth their while. And even then, if they're staying just for the money, you don't want them. Yeah, that's the reality. That's it. Yeah. Well, well said. Well said. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Oshri can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. That you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. 